Well, thank you so much for being here today at Bible Baptist Church. Uh, we're so glad that you decided to join us, and I hope today will be a help to you and a blessing to you. Uh, our church is gathering outside again today. Our uh, new restrictions still allow us to be able to do that. And uh, so we're all out there at 11 o'clock at BPS at 320 Highbury Avenue, and uh, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, we're not 100% sure what uh, next week looks like with the new restrictions, but right now it looks like we're going to be uh, having a drive-in service. So if that's more comfortable for you, we'd love to have you come and uh, enjoy uh, service out there with us. And again, that's 320 Highbury Avenue. And uh, we'll be able to send out more details later on our social media and email and different things. So if you're not connected to our email, uh, we would love for you to do so. You can do that by simply clicking the link there in the description. It's called uh, a Connect Card. And uh, you can just fill that out and let us know if you have any questions or concerns or anything like that. And uh, that's just how the best way to communicate with us uh, quickly, and we would love to be able to help you with anything that we can. Well, let's get right ahead into the uh, message today, and uh, we're going to do part two and the final lesson um, on our church, the church's response to the government. And again, I, want, I just want to be up front. Today, again, is going to be incredibly controversial. Again, there are all kinds of questions, opinions, concerns, all of those different things. And I believe as a church, we have a responsibility to understand what the Bible actually does have to say. So in today's society, this is again an extremely sensitive subject, but the Bible must be the place to which we always find our answers. And again, as always, I encourage you to take notes. Again, not because I'm saying something special, but for future reference. And again, if you have any questions, please write them down. And if by the end of this message you still have those same questions, I would love to answer them. Again, you can just email me, you can call me, text me, however you feel um, best, and I'll do my very best to answer those things biblically. Okay? Again, we want you to ask questions. That is a good thing. Questions are a good thing. It's a helpful thing to learn. So please do that. All right? Again, title of the series is The Church's Response to the Government. I want to start off first this morning by just recalling last week what we talked about. Quickly, we talked about the church being the church. Okay? The church is not, um, the authority of the church is not the government. We are, we are the body of Christ. Uh, we are the pillar and ground of the truth, the truth being Jesus Christ and his word. And so we need to remember those things. That's who we are. That's what our purpose is. That's our direction. So anything outside of that, um, if we focus on anything outside of that, the reality is this, then we have lost the purpose. Now, yes, we can be involved in other things and such. However, we must stay involved in the purpose of being the pillar and ground of the truth and the body of Christ. This week, I want to talk a little bit about the government. Okay, So the government, and I want to start off by establishing that these two institutions are two God-ordained institutions. Okay, So these two things, the church and the government, are two God-ordained institutions. Okay, Let me say that again. They are two God-ordained institutions. The government is a God-ordained institution. The church is a God-ordained institution institution. So God has established these two things, and we have a responsibility to understand the Word of God and figure out how these two things work together. Okay, this is important. Okay, so let's quickly go through the government, the history of government, all right? The initial God-ordained government was a theocracy. A theocracy is a government ruled by God, a God government, so to speak. Okay, this is important. This is one of the most important aspects of government, is that the original God-ordained government was a theocracy. The law that was given from the beginning of time was directly given from God. Adam and Eve received laws directly from God. If you'll remember, uh, do not eat of the tree of knowledge in good and evil. Abraham received laws directly from God. Okay? He was up in the mountain. God formed two tables of stone and wrote the Ten Commandments. Moses, oh, that was Abraham, excuse me. Moses was the one who received the Ten Commandments. Excuse me for that. Abraham did receive laws directly from God. We know that. Take a look uh, through history of the Bible. Samuel received laws directly from God. Okay? We, we know all of these things, and those are all things that I think, with a little bit of Bible knowledge, you understand. However, this is important. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, something changes. Now, we won't take the time to go there. 
Of 1 Samuel chapter 8, something changes, and that something is basically this. The children of Israel looked around to the kingdoms around them and said, we want a king to govern us, to rule over us, so that we can be like everyone else. They basically, the Bible says this, they wanted someone to go before them and fight their battles for them. Now, again, if you're thinking about this logically, all of the things that they just said is what God was doing. God was governing them. God was ruling over them. God was um, going before them, literally, and fighting their battles for them. And they were conquering. They were the most successful army in the entire world, I, I believe, even until now. They, are, they were so successful with God, but they looked around and wanted to be just like everyone else. And so we know this. Again, Bible history teaches us that God allowed this. God says to Samuel, you go ahead and let him know. He warns them in 1 Samuel chapter 8, this is what it's going to look like. He begins to tell them there's all kinds of different things. And we know that Saul um, is ordained the next king or the first king of Israel. By the way, he was ordained by God. Uh, Samuel, God told Samuel who he was. Samuel um, put oil on his head, and this was where it all began. Now, I want you to understand this. Every good king after that, every good king after that maintained that God was his authority. If you, if you pay attention throughout uh, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you will understand that every good king maintained God as his authority. When they began to think that they were the authority, that they were above God, things did not go well for them. Things did not go well for the nation. Every government on planet Earth should understand this. Should understand that God is their authority. God is the authority of the government. Remember we talked about that last week. God is the authority of the church. So that's the history of government. And that's important to remember. But number two, what is the purpose of government? What is the purpose of government? Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Now, this is probably the most popular passage on, on the government's role and our response to it. But we're going to delve into this just a little bit. I just want you to see two verses. Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says this. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise with the same. Verse 4, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Just before we get into this portion, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started into this second portion. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you do for us. Father, it's important that we come to you today to give us an understanding of your word. Father, as I present this, I pray that it would be your will and not mine. Father, that you would uh, speak through me and that your will would be accomplished here today. Help us to respond correctly to our current government. Help us to be the church. Help us to live for you in everything that we say and do. We love you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, give us the purpose of government. The purpose of government, very, very simply, okay, very simply, is to promote good and punish evil. To promote good and punish evil evil. Again, this is an extremely important thing for people in government to remember. And if any of you are in government, it's, it's, it's understanding, you must understand this. The purpose of government, the God-ordained purpose of government is to promote good and punish evil. That's pretty much it. Promote good and punish evil. This is so important, and we are under the authority, the government is under the authority of God. I'm going to take you over to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 1. Proverbs 21 and verse 1. The Bible says this. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. So I want you to understand that the purpose of the government is to 
reward good or promote good and punish evil. And God has the government in his hand. This is so, so important. Important. So the question is then this. How do these two, government and church, God-ordained institutions, how do they coexist? Well, I want you to see the coexistence of the church and government. So I want you to see again Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Now we're going to take some time quickly and run through this. Now these are very, very clear. I don't want to disrupt this passage at all. I don't want to read into this passage. This passage is very clear. Okay? The Bible says in verse 1, let every soul be subject, or excuse me, it should go this way, subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. There it is, God ordained government. Whosoever, watch this now, resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the saints, for he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he bears not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore? You must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. Verse 6, for, for, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Verse 7, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now I want to just break this down very, very quickly. Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 through 7 says that we are to be in subjection to the higher powers, to the government. Why? Because they are ministers of God. They are ordained of God. It also says this, do not resist the power. Do not resist the power. What does resist mean? Listen, it means this from Webster's Dictionary, to exert force upon. To exert force in opposition. So the Bible says, again, very clearly, don't resist the power. And it says that we need, we must needs be subject. And then in verse 6 and 7, pay your taxes. Okay, it says that very clearly. So again, without delving into this a whole lot, Paul is extremely clear. You do what the government says. You don't resist them. They are the ministers of God. Now, most of us don't like that, especially in free North America. We don't like that. Hang on. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you'll turn over there with me. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says this. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from, listen to this, fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which shall, they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, by good works, you're going to glorify God, verse 13. Now watch this. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Wow, that is incredibly clear. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Watch this. For the Lord's sake. This is the same wording used in a wife submitting to her husband as unto the Lord. Whether it be, watch this, to the king as supreme or unto governors, those lower, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Verse 15, <clears throat> for so is the will of God. This is the will of God. We say in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Here it is, Jesus saying, excuse me, Peter saying about, about us that we must obey, submit ourselves unto the ordinance, for so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Verse 16. As free 
and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Watch. Honor the king. See, again, Peter now, again, is very, very clear. Submit to every ordinance. It's pretty clear. Again, the question is, why? Why? Because he says you will be honest among the world. You will keep yourself honest among the world. You will glorify God. You will perform the will of God. Not only that, you will put to, ig- put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Listen, I could spend all day here. We could put to silence. We can, we can keep people from talking about us in a bad light because they don't understand. Wow. We, we, will have, we have liberty in Christ, excuse me. But we are not to use that liberty for ourselves. All across our country, all we hear is, I have rights, I have rights. But most of us want to use our liberty for ourselves. Here in verse 16, he says, be the servant of God. So serve Christ with your liberty. And then again in verse 17, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Listen, these are very clear passages. Extremely clear. And I could spend a lot of time here. But the reality is this. We need to apply these things to our current circumstance. Our current circumstance in 2020, in 2021 really, is the fact that we are seeing the government have more power than the government has ever had in our lifetimes. So what is our responsibility? How are we to act? How are we the church to act and coexist with the government? Well, first of all, I want you to understand this. We are to be subject and we are to submit. That's number one. Number two, we are not to resist them. We are not to exert force in opposition to them. So let me ask this question. Most of you are probably asking this. Well, what do we do if we disagree with something that the government is, is doing in, on our behalf? What if we disagree with something that's going on in our government? Well, listen, Canada is a wonderful country. Canada is called a democracy. We have the privilege of living in a free democracy. I want you to understand this. The writers of the Bible never had such a liberty. The writers of the Bible never had such a liberty, a free democracy. They did not. So this is a, if you will, a gray area to which we must be extremely careful to to figure out what God would have us do. Now I want you to understand this. Every, um, first Peter, first Peter was written in the time of the second half of Nero's reign. Nero was one burning Christians. Listen, this is a wicked and vile man. Peter did not have this luxury. Peter, we believe, was crucified upside down because of Nero. Paul was, was uh, uh, murdered. Paul was uh, completely martyred for Christ, we believe, because of Nero, history show. All of these things, I want you to understand, the apostles, the writers of the New Testament, they never had the opportunity to live in a free society. John the Apostle exiled to Patmos. I mean, you look at Fox's Book of Martyrs. The majority of the apostles were were executed under Nero's reign. This is important to remember. I will admit to you, that the Bible doesn't give us much information about how to live in a free democratic society. I want you to understand this as well. It's a blessing to live in a free democratic society. But I will admit to you, it gets pretty muddy. Where's the lines that we draw? Where, where do we, uh, I mean, especially uh, we understand that the United States won their independence by fighting the government. Canadians are still a commonwealth of the British Empire. And listen, all of those are okay, but I will admit, this gets muddy. But we have been given something extremely special. A freedom to use the internet to proclaim the word of God. 
So the question is now what is our responsibility to the privilege that has been given us? I truly believe there are some biblical principles to which we can understand how we ought to use this liberty that was given to us. So first of all, very simply, let's talk about stewardship. Stewardship, I think this is the most important part of this. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says this. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Watch this now. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now I want you to stop there. That's, this is important. God has entrusted us, mankind, with having dominion over the earth. That is our responsibility. We have a responsibility to care for. We have a responsibility to uphold. We have a responsibility. God has given us that responsibility. Now understand this. We must steward that well. From the beginning of time, God has asked us to be good stewards. He put Adam and Eve in the garden to dress it and to keep it. To steward that well. But the Bible doesn't stop there. Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, the Bible says this, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. You're going to pay for something even if you didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that. Watch this. It says this, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So we know this verse, and this is in the context of stewardship found in Luke chapter 12. Please understand me. To whom much is given, much shall be required. This is a principle of stewardship. If you give me $1,000, you do not want me to just go spend that frivolously. You want me to do something well with that. You want me to steward that money well, especially if you don't just give it to me. It's yours, Pastor Yeomans, do what you want with it. What if you say, Pastor Yeomans, I have $1,000, I want you to spend it well on my behalf. I want you to buy me something. Listen, you are giving me the permission to steward your $1,000 for you. Now, I don't want to spend that frivolously. I don't want to be careless with that because I have a responsibility to you. Listen to me. We have been given a responsibility to steward our liberty well. God has given us a wonderful privilege. God has given us the uh, opportunity to live in Canada, a free society, and here we are. Now let me ask this question. What are we doing to steward our responsibility and our liberty well? Well, let's take a look. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. The Bible says this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Okay, this is talking about liberty in Christ, but I want you just to think through this with me for a minute. Only, Paul says, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So we, are, we, get, we get liberty, which is awesome. But we are not to use liberty for ourselves. We're to look at someone else and figure out how we can use our liberty to serve them. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. The Bible says, as free, again, talking about freedom in Christ, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. So don't use it to cover up what you want to do. But look at what he says again. But as the servants of God. So there's two things here. We need to serve others with our liberty and we need to serve God with our liberty. So understand, if we are going to steward our liberty well, we must first of all serve God. Second of all, we must serve others. Now I want you to understand, that's in the Bible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Serve God and serve others. Listen, these are the two great commandments. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We must use our liberty for those two things. 
So let me ask this question. We are going to steward our liberty well. It must be done for the sake of others and for the sake of God, but what does that look like on a practical level? Well, here in Canada, we have a government that is elected, and they are elected, listen to this, for the sake of the people. So the government, the people that we elect, they are here for the sake of the people. The government of Canada clearly states this. This is on their website. The government acts in the name of the crown. We are a commonwealth. But it derives its authority, listen to this, from the Canadian people. I want you to understand that. Now, this is not biblical. We don't find this. We understand that the government is ordained by God. But the Bible, or excuse me, the Charter of Rights Canada says this, that it derives its authority from the Canadian people. So Canadian citizens have an opportunity to speak into how their government is being ruled. Wow. Now, that's our responsibility. That is our responsibility to speak into that. To voice our opinion. Now the question is this. How do, again, how do we do this practically? We have a responsibility to steward our liberty well. How do we do this practically? Well, first of all, we do it by voting. I, I don't know. It's something like 30% of registered Canadian citizens vote. Listen to me. That is a shame. If you don't vote, you ought to be voting. We, have, we are not stewarding our liberty well if we are not voting. How about this? Actually taking the time to call our MP or our MPP, our mayor, etc. We complain and complain and complain and complain about our government, but we never pick up the phone and call them and voice our opinion. Listen, we are not stewarding our liberty well. Listen, our MP, our MPP, our mayor have all attended this church at one time or another. Listen, call them, pick up the phone, write an email. Listen to this, I believe this with all my heart. If you are enjoying what the government is currently doing, then by all means, pick up the phone and call them, write an email. Go old style and, and, and write a snail mail letter. Listen, communicate with them. Tell them that whatever they're doing, you are in love with. That is restewarding your liberty. You have that right. You have that responsibility. Listen, if you dislike what our government is doing, then again, by all means, call them. Write them. Email them. Tell them what? Because you have that liberty. You have that responsibility. You must steward that liberty well. How about this? Let me, let me just say this as a blank statement. Do all you can inside of the law to express your desires. Let me say that again. Do all you can inside of the law to express your desires. As a Canadian citizen... We have the responsibility to steward our freedoms. We have that responsibility. Now, I want you to understand this. The pulpit of this church is not for telling people what to think. I want you to notice, I did not tell you what to tell the government. If you're enjoying it, tell them. If you're not enjoying it, tell them. Listen, whatever, you, you are the people. The government of Canada derives its authority from the people. We will not tell people what to think about our government. We will not tell people what to think about its practices. It is not, listen to me, the pulpit of this church is not for telling people how to vote. It's for telling people that they have the responsibility to vote. It is not for politics. We will not be a political church. You will not hear me get up and say, you need to vote for someone or you need to pay attention to this in politics. Listen, I, if you ask me my opinion, by all means, I will give it to you. But this pulpit is for the propagation of the gospel and the truth of the word of God. Nothing more. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. We are going to declare it and nothing else. Now listen to me. With this in mind, 
There are many people, there are many people that want to fight the government about what's going on in our society. And listen, that's completely fine. You do what you decide you need to do or you need to voice your opinion. But I want you to sit here and think about this for a second. The virus is not in the Bible necessarily. The vaccines are not in the Bible necessarily. A mask is not in the Bible. I want you to understand those things. And we are prepared, there are people prepared to fight the government over these things. Listen to me, hear me. There are biblical issues that people are, have, have left aside. There are biblical issues that the government has already passed that people have not stood up and voiced their opinion over. So it concerns me a little bit that we as a church would ever be so uh, appointed and so, let me say this, carnal, that we care about our liberties more than we care about the word of God. Even with this in mind, that we have a responsibility to steward well. Listen, there are some principles of stewardship that we must remember, and they deal specifically with how we need to govern ourselves in response as Christians. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. In verse 1. This is Paul speaking to Titus as a, um, as a student. As a son in the faith. This is part of the pastoral epistles. The Bible says this in uh, Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, put them in mind, watch this, to be subject to principalities and to powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Again, very, very clear. But look at verse 2. To speak evil of no man. Watch this. To be no brawlers, but gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. So I want you to understand this. Stop right there. We have the responsibility to steward our liberty well. But we must do it, first of all, by not slandering. By not speaking evil. Don't start character slamming. Man, we jump to that so quickly, don't we? We don't like something about someone. It could be some small, minute thing, and we completely decimate their character. Again, me, take me, for instance. If you want to put me down on how I have led through this whole thing, I will start you off. If you want to be critical of our staff and the, the things, the decisions that we've made, listen to me, we would do some things differently, I think, as we look back. We've done our very best, but I want you to understand, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. It's easy to be that. It's easy to be sitting there uh, watching the whole thing unfold and saying, I, I would do that differently. Or you're in the midst of it, it's hard. And so listen, I do not ever want to be in Doug Ford's position. Ever. I do not ever want to be in Prime Minister Trudeau's position. I do not. I don't envy those men. But I want you to understand this. These verses speak about character. Don't start character family. Listen, disagree with them all you want. You have that right. You have that responsibility. You have that opportunity to voice your opinion, but do not character slam. These verses also speak about our character in response to the government. Look at it. It says this, be no brawlers. <laughs> Listen, there are some people that in their demeanor, in how they are approaching this, they have their fists up. Listen, you put those things down and you use the liberty wherewith God has given you and speak your voice. God says, don't be brawlers. Don't start a fight. But look what he says. Don't be a brawler. But look, he converses it. He says, but be gentle. Showing all meekness. Unto all men. All meekness, all men. 
hear me, we are not to be brawlers. We are not to be starting a fight. We are to show gentleness and meekness. Guess what? These are the qualities of Jesus. I am meek and lowly in heart. Guess what else? These are the qualities of a spirit-filled Christian. These are parts of the fruit of the spirit. Not done. First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1. The Bible says this. I exhort therefore that first of all, <laughs> first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Be made for all men. It doesn't stop there. For kings and for all that are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Watch this now. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Let me, let me be very clear. Myself included, we are all excellent at complaining. We are all excellent at complaining. But let me ask this question. How good are we at praying for our leaders? Oh, again, you ask me my opinion, I will gladly give it. In majority of it will be complaint. Listen, even when things are going well, my majority of what I say is complaining. Again, if we did as much praying for our leaders as we do complaining about them, I, I would almost guarantee that some members of the government would get saved. Let me ask this question. How much have we prayed for our government? I mean, I mean personally. How much have you prayed for our government? How much have you prayed before posting on social media? How much have you prayed before calling or writing our MP or our MPP? How much have we prayed before calling the premier's office? I think you should, but pray. How much? Listen to me. How much are we praying? Paul saying to Timothy, first of all, the first thing that we ought to do before posting on social media and giving our opinions is pray about this thing. The first thing that we should do before typing an email in all caps is pray about this thing. The first thing that we should do when calling our premier's office, listen, is to pray, to be quiet, to be peaceable, to be gentle and meek. Listen to this, I love this. Charles Stanley said this, fight all of your battles on your knees and you win every time. I believe this with all my heart. We are a powerless society because we are a prayerless society. And I'm talking about our church. I'm talking about us as Christians. I'm talking about us in North America. Let me ask this question. When we get to the end of our lives, when we're laying on our deathbed, will we say that we have stewarded our liberty well? Listen, if, if we roll over and do nothing at this point and don't voice our concerns, listen, we are not stewarding well. We will get to the end of our lives and we will have regrets as to how we stewarded things. But we also must remember that we must do it well. So let me follow up that question with an even better question. At the end of our lives, will we say that we have stewarded, listen to me, the gospel well? There are some people that are excited that I am saying that we need to steward our liberty well. There are some people that are excited about that. But listen to me, as much as you want to get excited about that, as much as I want you to steward your liberty well, it is extremely, extremely subpar to the gospel. We, can, we should steward our liberty well, but that ought not to be our focus. Our focus ought to be stewarding the gospel well. 
I do not in any way want you walking away from this message thinking that our greatest purpose in this life, in this moment, is to maintain our liberty. That is not the greatest purpose. Our greatest purpose in life is to proclaim Jesus Christ. We do have a responsibility to steward our life well, but it is far more important to steward Jesus Christ and his truth. David Platt puts it this way. For the greatest way to achieve social and cultural transformation is not by focusing on social and cultural transformation, but by giving our lives to gospel proclamation, to telling others the good news of all God has done in Christ and calling them to follow him. Listen, you want to make real change? Win somebody to Christ. Talk to them about salvation. Listen to me. The gospel must be central. So you might ask yourselves the question, I'm running out of time. Pastor Yeomans, where is the line? Where is the line to which we say there will be no more? We've had enough. We are not going to be subject to that. We are not. We are going to disobey. Where is the line that we cross, which we purposefully and illegally disobey the government. Well, let me ask you this question. Where was the line for Daniel? Where was the line for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Where was the line for the apostles? Where was the line for the early church? Where was the line for Martin Luther? Where was the line for John Bunyan? Where was the line for Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Where is the line for 2021 church and all of these things every one of these things i'll explain them to you i have identified one common theme to every one of these questions the common theme is this listen the line is crossed when the government declares the one who should be worshiped let me say that again now this is clear the line is crossed when the government declares the one who is worthy of worship. When they say, listen, this is the one, this is the person, this is the thing, this is what you must worship, that's when the line is crossed. Let me illustrate. Daniel, you cannot pray to anyone except for the king for 30 days. That's crossing the line. How about this? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You must bow down and worship the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. That is crossing the line. We will not worship. The apostles, Acts chapter 5, were commanded to not preach in the name of Jesus Christ. Guess what? The council and the high priest declared who was worthy of worship. Listen, this Jesus whom you speak is not worthy of worship. The person, the God that we have created, the traditions that we have created, those are the things to which you will worship. The early church. I want you to understand again, the early church was around in the time of Nero. I want you to understand this. Nero declared himself as semi-divine. Semi-divine. That's important. Listen to me. Martin Luther. Luther's main concern was that the Catholic Church did not have the authority to excuse people from hell. They were called indulgences. Listen, you could buy indulgences and that would, quote, keep you and your loved ones out of hell. Listen, Martin Luther said, you don't have the authority, church. So basically, in essence, the church was requiring people to worship the church and the Pope instead of looking to Christ. And Martin Luther said, here's 95 theses. That's the line, folks. John Bunyan. Now, you may not know this, but there was something called the Acts of Elizabeth. The Acts of Elizabeth were instituted by Queen Elizabeth I in 1558. One of these were, was called the Act of Supremacy, which stated this, that any person taking public or church office in England must swear, listen, allegiance to the monarch as supreme governor of the Church of England. They put the monarch as the supreme authority over the church, failure to swear was a crime. 
this is why John Bunyan went to jail. He's like, no way. I am not going to do that. And in fact, they put it all, um, including, they tried to get everything to bow. If you had a meeting outside of the Church of England, it was an illegal assembly. This act was done away with. And then it was reinstituted almost 100 years later under Charles II in 1660. This is when Bunyan lived. This is why Bunyan was arrested. He would not say that the monarch was the authority. That's the line. Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, was a German Christian, a German pastor. And what happened was Hitler started to implement and went after what is called the Fuhrer Principle. The Fuhrer Principle basically states this. The leader, the, that's what the Fuhrer means, is the leader, in capitals by the way, the leader is under no authority. He is the leader. Basically saying, and you can read this, he is higher than God. He has no accountability. And listen, we all know recent history of Germany and Hitler and the swastika and Heil Hitler. Listen, they worshipped Hitler. That was the line. That was the, wow, we better pay attention. Now I guarantee there are some that will hear this message that are thinking, yep, our government has made themselves God. They are taking all authority Please let me talk you off the ledge if that's you. Let me talk you off the ledge. Listen, they are not making us worship them. Listen, please listen to me. They are not telling us who to worship. They are not telling us that they are the Savior. They are not saying that. They are not telling us whose name we can preach. Listen, we are still freely available to preach and teach Jesus Christ openly. Wow. Listen to this. I will tell you this. The moment they tell us who to worship or who is worthy of worship, they have crossed the line. By the way, the moment this happens... There will be mass murders. Let me say that again. The moment that this happens, there will be mass murders. When a man is declared as God and people do not follow that man and do not follow his rules, they begin to murder those people. Look through the Bible, guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow. Murdered. Apostles, murdered. Early church, murdered. Martin Luther uh, and, and his cohorts. Listen, you look at church history. People who did not follow the Catholic Church were murdered. John Bunyan was put in jail. Listen, all of these things, we understand people are being murdered because the Jews, because the Christians did not listen to Adolf Hitler. They were murdered. I don't mean to be doom and gloom here. But I want you to know where this church stands from the Bible. The line to be crossed is when you tell me that I cannot worship Jesus Christ. When you tell me I cannot preach and teach the name of Jesus Christ, you have crossed the line. And there may come a time when this happens. There may come a time when this happens. We are not there yet. If it does, guess what? We will no longer be a democracy. We will be not voicing our opinions openly. We will continue, listen to me, we will continue to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We may not do it openly inside the building of the church. We may not gather as 200 people. We may not. We may not do it openly on a busy Highbury Avenue with a big tent and a bunch of people. We may not do it that way. We may not broadcast it on the internet. But we will obey God rather than man. Then. And then when we disobey government, when we do that, when they have crossed that line, when we disobey, guess what we will do? We will calmly and gently accept the consequences of obeying God and man. Until then, until we get to that point, we're not there. 
until we get to that point, listen to me, we must steward our liberty well. But we must do it like Christ, meek and gentle. We must pray for our government. We must not worship anyone except the one true God in him only should we serve. And we must keep our focus. We must keep our focus on being the church no matter what. The pillar and ground of the truth. The body of Christ. Until then, we must steward. I pray that every one of us, including myself, would make, our folk, make sure our focus, first of all, is on God. And second of all, on helping those around us. Don't, please, listen to me. If you get nothing else from this message, don't, don't miss this. Don't let everything that's going on in this world distract us from what God has called us to do. Our main goal is to be the church, the pillar and ground of the truth to be the body of Christ. We must steward well, but we must do it like Christ. And we must, we must be the church. I hope this has been a help to you. I hope this is something that will hopefully ground us in the scripture. And friend, if you are out there today and you have never known Jesus Christ as your personal savior, there is nothing more important to surrender your life to than Jesus Christ. Because without him, we are lost, literally. We cannot find our way. If you're interested more in that, we would love to talk to you about that. Let's have a word of prayer and conclude this service. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us to be here today. Father, in such contrasting, such divisive, such... Um, interesting times father help us to come back to your word and understand what it is that we are supposed to do in regards to government in regards to our liberty in regards to who we are as a church as a body of christ help us to understand your word help us to follow it implicitly father help us to be so passionate about doing the right thing Father, that we would be willing to give up our rights, our lives for the sake of living for you. Father, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as personal Savior, I pray you to reach out. Help us, to, help us to be able to fulfill that need for them. Help them to be able to understand their need of salvation. And Father, we pray that you would get the honor and glory for everything that's done. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please, please, please reach out. Ask us. You can do that by clicking the link in the description. Uh, just fill out that connect card. And if you want to, just connect with our church. Get more involved. Talk to one of us. Fill out the connect card. We would love to be able to connect with you in that way. I appreciate you being here. I hope this was a help to you. Things are going to change again for us in the next couple of weeks, but we'll keep you updated as to what's going on. Thank you so much for joining us today at Bible Baptist Church Online.